Hi, welcome to Stranger Conversations. I'm Sean, and on this podcast, I'm here to bring you stories about what it's like to take unlikely paths to career and to life. You'll hear from regular folks about traveling to wild locations, changing their lifestyles, starting new ventures, getting in over their heads, and still managing to land on their two feet. This is a recording of our live stream on Zoom and YouTube. If you'd like to join us next time, the link is in the description. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Stranger Conversations. My name is Sean and today I have Mars with me. Welcome! Hello. Hi everyone! <laughs> At the Stranger Conversations here, we share stories right, about unlikely paths to career and to life. And the hope is that you know, we can inspire more people to either start doing it or to continue taking their own unlikely path. And we are here today at the Book Barracks. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> it's a very beautiful space, by the way, as you can see. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's like what? So cozy, right? Yes, it's super cozy. And you wouldn't think that this space existed because it's actually in an industrial building. So mm-hmm. I think like it's really cool. I love spaces like these, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it adds to the charm, right? Yeah, Where you kind of like, you don't expect it and then you open the door and it's another world altogether. Yeah. So um, just a little bit about the book Barracks. It's run by uh, Books Beyond Borders. Mm-hmm. And the mission of this organization, you know, uh, they sell books to raise funds for education right in Nepal so if anyone here has a chance to come and check this place out and support them please do so and how this place got started is actually an unlikely path of its own right Uh, we talked to Randall the founder last session but today's session is about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you guys can uh, ask random questions later. I will arrow him. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, like typically I would introduce my guests, <laughs> but it's really hard to introduce you. And that's the same reason, right? Why we have you here today. It's hard to introduce you because you have done so many <laughs> different things. so i was wondering right like if for the benefit of everyone here in person Mm -hmm. on zoom on instagram on youtube can you just rattle off right like a bullet point list (laughs) of all the things that you have done okay okay i will try my best (laughs) this is probably the only question i prepared for even though uh sean sent me a whole list of questions right I slightly prepared a bit for this, <laughs> a bit. I will try my best to recall everything, but uh, I guess maybe just some of the things that come to mind. So if some of you find me familiar, it's probably because you've seen me on YouTube before. And that's because in my first job in my career, I was actually a video producer with the Smart Local. Uh, I produce videos for their sister sites, which is Zula, as well as Eatbook. So I produce a lot of content on women empowerment, beauty, um, as well as um, lifestyle and also a lot of content about food. Uh, 
when I was during my time in TSL, it also means that sometimes you do get a chance to be in front of camera. So uh, one of my more popular videos is a time where I volunteered to go on a blind date with someone I've never met before. Let my producers match meet me. We went all the way to Pongo for a nice cycling date. Uh, the answer to whether we are still dating, the answer is no, because we friend zone me. So that's another story for a different oh. day. But it's all right. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just cannot force love lah. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about my love life. We're talking about uh, other things in my life, like my career and other dreams and aspirations. Okay, so uh, that's if you know me from TSL, hi. <laughs> uh, if you also have recognized me in other areas, maybe we went to school together. So I was from, I can start from the bottom. So I was from a girl's school for 10 years, never felt I fit in uh, because I'm really more of a tomboy at heart. Uh, I don't really think like, contrary to belief, I would say 95% of girls' school girls enjoy their girls' school life. I think I'm in the 5% now, sadly. Uh, um, but I think that's why when I went to poly, I went to Niam Poly, and I think that was why I really enjoyed my poly life a lot because I think I felt more at home. All my close friends were guys, and I think we just vibe a lot better. La. And I think a lot of my self-discovery journey will, uh, began in poly. So in poly, it was when I picked up this sport that I still have been playing for the past 10 years, which is canoe polo. Uh, so I am a canoe polo athlete. I've been playing for Singapore since 2014. Uh, so this year will mark my eighth year in the national team and 10th year in the sport. So it's been quite a journey. This has been a big, big part of my life and one of the passions I pursue very strongly. Uh, in Bali, I, also, I was also a soccer player and I also did a lot of orientation camps and stuff like that. So as you can see, I don't just do one thing or have one CCA, I have multiple CCAs. <laughs> On top of that, um, I think so after Bali, I went to university. So I actually went to SMU. I studied political science, which is completely different from what I studied in Bali, which was business studies. So I guess like I'm just someone who has a lot of various interests, as you can already see from my pathing. It's not very conventional, mm -hmm. but I think uh, that's really, that's, I can, that, that's in summary, that's kind of who I am. Like. I'm really an enthusiast for learning, an enthusiast for life. Mm -hmm. So a lot of other things I've done outside of school and outside of work was uh, I do pursue photography as well as a lot of other sports. So uh, even though I play canoe polo competitively, on my off days, I love to go climbing. I also like to go hiking. I love to do yoga as well. So uh, I think sport is a very big part of my life. So a uh, part of me really resonates with the fact that I'm an athlete. But at the same time, even though I'm an athlete, I would like to share a little funny story. So I am the oddball in my family because I'm from a family of artists. Yeah, so uh, my mom used to play the piano. Uh, my grandmother used to be a piano teacher. So I used to learn the piano. Uh, didn't really like it, but was forced to learn it. <laughs> I, I struggled my way through uh, but I kind of learned until grade five and I told my mother, I was like, man, this is just not for me, man. <laughs> like, so, uh, but I mean, I tried my best to really pursue that because I think that was something my family was very big on. So uh, my mom had grade eight. Two of my young sisters have grade eight as well. Yeah, in piano. Uh, one of my, I have two younger sisters. So number two, she used to be a singer and songwriter. So she used to work, write her own songs and stuff like that. Uh, she kind of does not do that anymore, but she's actually went on to, she went on to study fashion. And, and uh, I mean, eventually that led to being in the beauty and skincare industry. Mm -hmm. So I think she's still a very artistic person because uh, she does a lot of designs for her, her work. Yeah. Uh, my second, my, th my third sister, she is, uh, she did acapella. So she's a very good singer. She's an amazing cook as well. And I think culinary is also a form of art. So I feel that uh, she's a very artsy person. I would say my youngest sister's most artsy of them all. She is the crazy artist in my family because she's now currently uh, working like 
three jobs just so that she can go for auditions, stuff like that. So she's like a yoga teacher and she also works in a theatre and stuff like that. So really living that artist's dream. And I, and I feel that sometimes being the only athlete in the family, right, makes me feel like, huh, is it, I, I sometimes ask my mom, am I adopted? Like, it seems like the interest never follow through, you know, like, because my mom is not a big fan of sports at all. So like when I wanted to pursue sports, she was a bit like, why? <laughs> Why can't you just do things you're good at? Sports is not something you're very good at. But it's something I really love and enjoy. So I guess, in a way, like, I really found, I think I learned so many valuable lessons from sports. And, yes. I, and I think you'll hear a lot more about them later on. Like, when I share more about it. Yeah. Oh, other than that, is there anything else I'm missing? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think you do have quite a few artistic pursuits as well, right? So to speak. Oh, that's, okay, yeah, I guess so. That's true. Okay, yeah, so maybe the artsy side of me, I'm not a very good singer, I can't really sing, cannot really dance. Uh, I, I, did this, I did think that before, I, was, uh, I picked up DJing when I was 16. I also pursued it a little bit more in uni. So I think in uni, that's when uh, I joined the DJ club. Basis, yeah. So like, uh, I do sell some of my art or I do commissions as well, but nothing too big or fancy. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I do have a sort of like a store. La, and I also mm -hmm. did bring in, try to dabble a little bit into uh, bringing in some stuff to be, to be sold. Like, so for example, like badges and pins and stuff like that. Mm. So unfortunately, I realized I didn't bring any of them today. I, usually, I would put them on my overalls, but I forgot. So, but it's okay. <laughs> like it happens. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's one of the more artistic pursuits I have, mm. I guess. Yeah. It sounds like you've done a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Way too many things, I think. Like, how many things were you doing at once, you know? Uh, I think, okay, like, I would like to think of myself a little bit of a multitasker. Okay, so recently I had this conversation with a very close friend and we realised that time shouldn't be wasted. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe, for me, I, I think I realised that uh, it's easier to live every, my last, every, every day like it was my last. Because you never know when it's time to go. And I think as much as some people are not very comfortable talking about death, I guess mm. I am someone who is because... Mm. I think I, I lived every day knowing that I've done my best and lived my best life. And I think that's, that for me is very comforting. And oh, I see my friend coming in. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. No, no, it's hey, okay. It's right. Hello, uh, hello. I'll see for you over here. <laughs> oh my God. I can't cross out. Yes, yes, yeah. please go ahead. I'm sorry. Famous person. It's okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. It's all... Sorry, it was just a... <laughs> I mean, somehow we have to like pause the video, right? So let's make it, right. let's not make it too. Yeah. It's alright. Um, but what do you mean by not wasting, right? Mm. Like, uh, some folks may think that, oh... Acknowledge that my life is not for everybody. And it's really okay if you don't do this checklist or job, like this whole bullet point of things. Like, for me, like, that is really not my intention, I guess. I think what I really just want people to do, like, uh, what I hope people will take away from this is to really sit down and also reflect back a little bit on life and what it means to you. And how does that, how does that, like, for example, how do you envision your life to be? What is that perfect day for yourself? And then think about whether you can live that perfect day every day. I like to acknowledge that, uh, it's not easy for everybody. We all have our own struggles and we all have our own commitments as well. So I can't live, I can't do everything that I want to do all the time at this mm. point in time because we have other things and other responsibilities to take care of, right? Like for example, I'm thinking of moving out of my home. I'm thinking of moving on to the next step. 
in life. I have to support my parents. I hope to get married one day. So these are like dreams that I have, right? But these are also dreams that require money. So these are not things that I can just do whatever I want and then the money suddenly appears. It doesn't work, which is why I have a job, correct? And that's why we all pursue careers. So I would say that um, why I choose to pursue a lot of other things outside of my current job career, job slash career or whatever main focus in my life is because I think that I want to do a lot more than just what I'm doing in, in my career. That for four hours. And I woke up, I felt more tired than when I did than when I didn't take that nap. And I was like, how is this even possible? No, so like I feel that it's the reason why I feel that way is because maybe I felt a bit too sluggish. Yeah. And I felt a bit guilty. Like I will admit that that guilt in me is kind of what also powers me to continue. But some people might think it's extremely unhealthy. I think there are days where I do chill. It's like uh, I promise I do okay. Like there are days where I just like chill and watch Netflix, you know, like normal people. <laughs> I am a normal person, okay? I'm your average Singaporean. Like, I, I honestly don't feel that I'm anything. Uh, I, I really honestly always felt that I was like, I've never been any. So, like, doing something like this makes me feel a little bit like, huh, like, why would you want to talk to a normal person? <laughs> yeah, like, I do feel that way sometimes. But I guess, in a way, I guess I just want to share my excitement for life with others. I think that's one of the things that I want people to take, take away. Lah. Like, having that energy and excitement to do what you want to do. And having that courage too as well. Because I think sometimes it can be very scary or daunting, especially if it's something that most people might not think that you would do. Mm. To be honest, I love to surprise people. I think that's what makes it more interesting, don't you think? Like, if everybody just thought I was a media person, I went to study media, a media degree, and took a media diploma, that would be a very boring person. What? But like, if everybody... I felt that there were a lot of conversation starters that I had with a lot of my previous clients and colleagues was the fact that when people first found out that no, I didn't study media, but ironically, I give off that vibe. Mm. And then after that, they found out I studied politics, which was like, huh? how, how, how do you study public policy? That I just, I don't know, it's just interesting. And I just tried uh, research papers. And I'm definitely not the best student. I will admit that. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in school just enjoying what I was learning. And I think that was something that I really learned. Yeah, like not having to chase that GPA. And I, and I think like, I guess I'm quite, I'm quite lucky that I didn't have to do it. But I didn't have to chase that GPA. You know, some people have to because they have to do well so they can succeed in life, right? But I think maybe for me, I have a bit of more false confidence and optimism as well that I can definitely still make it even though I don't do very well. So. I see. Yeah. So on the topic of uh, learning mm. and things that make you excited, right? excitement yeah. for life, um, can you kind of look back right, at some of the things that you have done already? Um, things that maybe you're not doing right now today mm -hmm. as much, you know, but nonetheless, you, know, you still learn something. Mm -hmm. It was still exciting when it happened. Can you share with us any stories that Ooh. illustrate that point? Let me think. I think that, uh, okay, like I would say, I can share a story during my PJ journey that I learned. So, okay, there was once, right, that I, so when I was a DJ, there were some times I took freelance gigs. And I was still a student back then, right? So I was quite young. And then, I mean, I was invited to some, like, so people usually engage you, they can be from corporate, big corporations, and they wanted you to spin for, like, your end-of-year party. Something like that, right? I think, I think that was one of the first few times where I kind of had to, like, fly solo, like, on my own. So I had to get my own gear and stuff like that. And I think that was really when you realise, right, that you really need to, to do anything, right, you need to be prepared. That's one. 
And I think, uh, and then the second thing is that you need to learn to really just think about what you need and think about uh, like, I think because at that time, point in time, like it's not like school, right? Where you give you, sometimes they give you supplementary materials or like you have materials to help you along the way. But I think when I first embarked on this gig to like sort of do freelance teaching, right? It was really quite tough because I had to get my own gigs. And then after that, I had to get my own equipment. It's like not like school when you're spinning for the school club. You have you can use school equipment and stuff like that. So I had to go and borrow. Because I mean, I didn't have money at that time, but one set could cost like $1,000, $2,000. But luckily, I had some friends who had their own set and who trusted me enough to lend it to me. So like that was that like networking, making sure that you make the right friends in the industry to help you. And I would say that in that industry, it's really very competitive as well. There are so many very good artists out, 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 out. But I just wanted to give it a shot lah. I think there was this one gig that I complete. I remember. I think I was actually, to be honest, after that gig, I didn't want to take on other gigs after that because I was pretty scarred. And I think like sometimes you learn the most from bad experiences. Right. So when I went there, I felt like I was at first initially I felt I was prepared. But when I went there, there were like so many people who were drunk and then they just wanted to get song requests. People were touching the de the decks and everything. And it's really something that you don't really get to. You won't have this kind of experiences in a club because there's bouncers to help you. But this is a party. You'll just have a table. And the only thing between you and that set, right? And the person and you, right? It's nothing. It's just them. So I had to like swipe away their hands and stuff like that. Sometimes if they if you're gone for and I've gone and I get where to there were kids. And the kids were touching the decks and stuff like that. So halfway through imagine the music stops because someone touched your deck. Like it's really quite like for me, after that, I learned, I was like, wow, is this really for me? Like at that time, I was still competing in sports. And like, I think sports was really my main gig in life. And so like this side gig really, like, really showed me that like, it wasn't really that easy. Like, you really need to do, have your own resources to really carve out this thing for yourself. Like. And I think that is also the same for photography. Like for, so for photography, I remember like, having to save up for my first camera. Then after that, so... I think for some of my friends uh, who have gone on shoots with me before, you guys all know that I use this 500D with a cracked LCD screen. And that is a camera I got when I was in 2009. So that is, uh, I got that when I was, how, how was I? I was 15 years old. So I've had that camera and I still have it. It still works. I've, had, I've been using that camera for 13 years. And I think it's not because I don't want to upgrade my gear, but it's because photography is still it's because one it still works i still kind of really like the fact that i use such an old camera to be honest it's a like some people are like wow your camera like ancient yeah that i like yeah but it's true but like i think being able to create some very beautiful work with it has made me feel really happy la. Yeah. yeah so like for example uh i remember there was once we went on a shoot with some of my friends and some of them have like i mean a lot of people are now using sony cameras and they have like the ones with the swivel uh lcd screens right so we wanted to take a top-down shot. So everyone just like put their camera on the floor and took. I was lying on the floor because I was using a viewfinder. Because my LCD doesn't work, it's cracked. <laughs> so I was like that on the floor. And then the, it was like, like 4 p.m. sun, okay? So it was like really hot and stuff like that. But I think it was really quite an experience because I really felt that like that was what like old photographers used to do, right? Like, 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 like that whole experience. And I think uh, what all this has really taught me is being, I think if you want to do something, you have to be committed. And you have to be prepared that commitment would look like investing your time and effort as well as some money into getting things, into getting resources that you need to pursue this passion. Yeah, so I think that's one of the lessons I've learned. Like, and I think it's something that I carry on in life. Like whenever you want to invest in something, you need to know that it's time, it's time and effort. But at the same time, I think through dabbling in this, I've really learned that it's important to also give yourself the chance to try. Like just because you need to very flat 
and won't regret anything that I've chosen to do. Because I'd rather be sure that I don't like it because I've tried it versus them being unsure the rest of my life. Lah. Or, and then when the day comes that you have to sit down and wish that you pursued it, I think that is, that is something that I think I'd rather, be, I'd rather regret decisions I made than, regret, than decisions I don't make. And I think that's really a, a governing principle that I hold very close to me. Okay, yeah. So let's hold that thought. Okay, um, of course. I'm going to ask one more question uh, okay. before I open it up to all the yes. folks uh, <laughs> in the audience. Uh, so the, the question is this, right? Um, you talk about not having regrets, mm. um, but it seems like in the different experiences mm -hmm. that you have gone through, mm -hmm. some were good yeah. some they said you said scarred you yeah right so they were not so good yeah right and in every experience you have recounted to us mm -hmm. it seems like you're always in some sort of like interesting setup or you're doing something <laughs> very interesting whether it's on the floor or swiping away people's yeah. hands and all of that right so how do you kind of like stay excited and energized as opposed to like worn out and um, like, you know, I, I don't want to do this again. Self-made, uh, she has gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in life. And I think being exposed to a role model like that or being exposed to someone who's so close to you, that's like, that is like a person that's so strong and so uh, persistent. I think it rubs off on you as well. But at the same time, you also must understand this person is my mother, okay? So you must also understand that my upbringing was not a bit of roses. So, uh, I mean, she has high expectations for me, lah, because now, obviously, she had, I have a much better life than what she had. And, uh, I mean, I wouldn't get into the details because that's her story to tell. But there were times where, like, I think she was very alone, but I have a support system, which is her, as well as my siblings and my friends. And by knowing that I already have all that, right, I always ask myself this, what is the worst thing that could happen? Like, honestly, what's the, like, so whenever I want to try something and it's daunting, right? Yeah. I always ask myself, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And it's, and it's, and I don't say it in a way where I just brush it off, but in a way you really think about it. Like, what is the worst thing that could happen? So for example, pursuing DJing, right? Again, but will life stop and end because of that? No, it wouldn't. So because knowing and really thinking about what is the worst case scenario, right? has helped me get a little bit of courage to just try. Because you know that there isn't a lot of stakes. So you have to also weigh out the stakes, right? So when you ask, so this question can also apply to, for example, should I leave my job so that I can pursue this? Okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? This thing fails, you have no job. Do you have bills to pay? You have kids to feed. You have elderly parents to take care of. These are considerations that you should also consider and that will help you in your decision making. Mm -hmm. So I really use this question as an ultimatum for me to think about this is the worst case scenario. Can I stomach this worst case scenario? Right. But yeah. Can you be calm and relaxed, not just at the point of the decision making, mm -hmm. but actually going through it, actually mm -hmm. doing it? I guess it's normal to feel nervous, right? I think the nerves is what gets you that's, I think, okay, so maybe for me, maybe it's easier for me to convert my nerves into adrenaline. With adrenaline, you can do anything. I believe that, man. Like, <laughs> so maybe for you, you need to find a way to how, how, how you can do that. So for some of my friends, they drink one, one pint of beer and then they suddenly can do everything. It gives them, like, sometimes liquid courage helps them, right? I drink one pint of beer.
helps you give you that little bit of courage or helps you manage your nerves. Mm. I think for me, it helped a lot because I do sports. I play sports at a very competitive level and that helps me perform in very stressful situations. So if you were to ask my mom today, she will still tell you that I'm someone who cannot perform under stress. Most people will be in disbelief, but apparently she still believes it. Uh, I guess I do agree to a certain extent. I think when I was younger, I didn't really work very well under stress. But I think playing competitive sports, especially representing Singapore, has taught me that sometimes, even though you feel extremely stressed, you need to still understand and realise that how you're feeling right is not what's important here. Because I mean, when you play, when you represent Singapore, right, what's important is winning that medal for the country. So it's that sense of responsibility that you have that should outweigh everything that you do, right? And I think it's same, it translates the same way in my job. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a firefighter now. And uh, when you are in the line of work where you, where life is at stake, right? To be honest, there's nothing else you can think about. Who else would? And so I think it's really all this combination of experiences that helped me combat that. So I guess in a way, how do you help combat stress? Put yourself in a safe, stressful environment and learn to deal with the stress and not break down under it. Yeah, as, in, as much as it sounds like, for me, I guess I went through a lot of tough love and that helped a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if that works for everybody, but that's why I emphasize it should be a safe environment. So something that you know that you can, like for example, it's, it's kind of like create your own controls, right? So you feel stressed at this point in time, but you know that the consequences of not being able to accomplish this task, right? It's not, not dire, la, mm. you know, like, uh, no, like nothing will, there's nothing really much on the line. Yeah. Maybe just like, for example, maybe example, la, for some people, they le- start doing something, learning something competitive. Like mm. for example, if sports is not for you, maybe gaming. Gaming can be very stressful. Mm. I don't think I can deal with that stress. I might need some time. But I think performing in sports is a lot easier than performing in a game. Like, I honestly feel that way. And all, my, all the gamers will be like, half huh, gaming is easy. But you know what I mean? Like, so that yeah. could be that challenge for me, right? And maybe for you, that's a way you can. So maybe you are someone who plays a lot of games. How about you take it the next step further? Try to compete in like mini tournaments. You know, don't have to be anything too serious. You lose, never mind, I try again, now, you know, that kind. So, but I think that the experience that you get from suddenly playing competitively, that's not just playing visually with your friends, right? Could help you. So pick something that maybe you are pretty good at yeah. and then challenge yourself further. So put make the, make it a little bit slightly more stressful. So I can give you an example of something a friend did that I think also helped her grow a lot. So she is a very amazing writer. And one day I, so during one of my travels, I met this person that was typing poems on a typewriter for people for free or for pay, 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 pay. So often. And I shared, shared about him on Instagram. And then this friend of mine, she saw it and she got very inspired. And then when she went to London for holiday, she started to do up her own sign and say, I'm trying to work on my writing. Request a piece from me. I'll write you something. And I think through that experience, she actually shared with me that she, it was actually a very different experience in terms of writing. Like no longer does she have like, last time you have like the luxury of time to take the time and write. But when the person is standing there or waiting an hour for you, suddenly you have to churn out a good piece. And I think that was like, and as much as there isn't a lot of, a lot at stake, but like, because after all, this is a free piece. Like people can't complain about free stuff, right? But mm-hmm. I think for her, she just really wanted to challenge herself. And I think that really helped her put that, that correct amount of pressure on mm-hmm. Improve yourself as a writer, right? Like, can mm-hmm. I write in this short amount of time a good piece, a piece that's as good as when I, if I could spend four hours on? And that, 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 that. I never thought that like, 
uh, like I think like when she shared with me what she has learned, right? It was it really made me realize like, hey, actually, there are many many different ways to challenge ourselves. Yeah. So the question is, how would you challenge yourself? And it will look different for everyone, and that's fine. And it's probably the story of your journey, because you've been always doing something different. Yeah. And everything different actually. It's new, right? So yeah. it gives you that sense, sense of maybe anxiety or nervousness. Can yeah. I do well? You know, am I good enough for this? Yeah. But it's your training, right? Yeah. It's your training in a low stakes environment. Yeah, it is. It right? is. Right? That's yeah. actually true. Oh my god! Yeah, thanks for <laughs> linking that for me. <laughs> <laughs> so not just your friend. You've yeah. been doing it all, all your life. All right. So uh, let's okay. Yeah. So now it's time for other people to talk. I think I talk enough already. <laughs> <laughs> No, everyone looks very stressed now. <laughs> I just, I just put the now, now they look stressed. <laughs> now they look stressed <laughs> this is the stressful environment I was talking about. Now I'm so, kidding. So anyone on on Zoom or Instagram would like any... to share a story. Actually, I love to hear stories. Yeah. Any questions? Anyone here? <laughs> <laughs> now I start. Okay. Yes. Um, do I need a mic? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Mars. Um, it seems like you can almost do everything like oh. what is something that scares you what like what's your what's the weakness we want to know that oh what's my weakness <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll admit this uh i'm still working on it but i i really hate singing in public yeah <laughs> maybe one line if i'm feeling if i'm feeling it but yeah so like it was something that i so okay like so I really don't like it. So it includes like going to karaoke. Like if you ever join me on karaoke, right, I won't show up. Right? But if I showed up, right, I will just listen to your sing. Lah. Y'all give me the mic, right? It'll be silent. <laughs> it's very hard to very hard to imagine it. But it's true though. Like I, I it's something that's really uncomfortable for me. That's really out of my comfort zone. Though the irony was that when I was young, right, I was fearless. Eh. I performed in front of school before. Like my mother taught me this Chinese song. I sang in front of the whole freaking school when I was nine years old. Eh. What the heck? No, and I tell you, I was probably tone deaf. Lah. So I think maybe now because I know like what rhythm and sound sounds like. So maybe that's why I think that help that builds up in the anxiety, right? But yeah, that's one thing. I thought we are talking about other people, but I'm talking again. Okay, yeah, yes. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you working on it? Do you think you ever like say, hey, I'm gonna do I would. Okay, so like. Uh, there was once I have a I have a very close friend who actually teaches like singing. Uh, there was once uh when we went out for dinner, I told her about this, and she was like, "Okay, you will sing right now in front of me." Then I just like, "No, no, no, it's not gonna happen." And she's like, "No, I need to hear you. Can't be, can't be that bad." She's like, "Your tone when I, when I talk to you, your tone of voice sounds great. So I don't understand how your singing voice can sound any different from this." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No la, cannot la." So anyway, uh, that was that one day where she really I just like, okay, how about you pick a song. I will sing the line, you will follow me. That I was like, okay, we'll try. So I think like that was when I really got like my first like singing, coaching kind of class. It was quite eye-opening. Uh, will I do still sing in front of public? For now, not really. But I think uh, one day when I finally, when it has come to a priority, I will probably sign up for singing lessons so that I can finally go to karaoke with my friends and feel like less, less, uh, not say left out, but less, anxious and stressed about the whole situation because I mean like I know it's a, people go there for a good time right but I'm really not enjoying myself because I'm really just feeling really I just don't feel comfortable at all yeah so I guess like I would love to reach that stage like. I think for me like I've always wanted to widen that 
comfort zone that I have. And this is something that's really way out. But I'm taking very small active steps like, in my own way. I do admit that I'm a lot slower as compared to doing something that I'm more comfortable with. Mm. So that's why I said like, like always start with things that you're a bit more comfortable with first. It's a bit easier to take that step further. Yeah, okay. versus then, yeah. That's a great question, right, Randall? Can I throw that question to the audience? Yeah. Right? Is there something that scares you, but maybe in your in your heart you might want to do it, you know, yeah. but it scares you? I would love to hear. I can share. I can share what comes to mind. Yeah. Um, something that scares me. I think it sounds very stupid, but like for me, it's just lying in my bed for one day and not doing anything. Oh my god, that scares me too. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, you're not the only one. <laughs> Yeah, that scares me quite a bit. So like this year, I've been trying to do that actively. Like I'll be like, okay, today I'm not gonna do anything, and then I'll just lie in bed and watch Netflix. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. So that's yeah, that's me. How has the experience been for you so far? It actually works. Like, cause I'm very used to grinding and hustling. So mm. when you actually lie down in bed and not do anything, then the next day you actually feel more recharged. For some reason, only that one day. But like, if I take a nap, yeah, I'll feel sluggish. Yeah, so I have to like rest like purposefully mm. and like meaningfully. I can't be like lazy, like kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. I'm so glad you did that for yourself. Good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Maybe I share. Yes. Can, can, come, come, come. <laughs> I think, I think, can okay, hear me? Okay. Don't, don't hold it too close. Okay. Yeah. okay. I think I'll share about what, uh, there are two, two things that come to my mind mm. about what scares me. Yeah. First one would be uh, choosing to leave my comfort zone to do something, but coming back unsuccessful. Mm. It's very, very different as compared to like just leaving your comfort zone, which I think this, this is something I think I share with you like, in, in, with Mars, like in terms of the what's the worst that can happen, mm. go and try, right? But what scares me is coming back like a prodigal son. You know what I mean? What does yeah. a prodigal son mean? So it's, it's, a, it's something that happened in the Bible. So basically, there's there, this rich man. I'll just TLDR this epic story for you guys, okay? <laughs> so like, so for those for the uninitiated, there's this rich guy with two sons. So what? So when he was getting old, he was like, you know what? I'm super rock and roll. Before I die, I'm gonna split the wheel. I give you all my my assets. So one son decided to stay and take care of the father. Then another son take the resources and go out and try to strike it on his own. And obviously. Uh, was a little bit too small boy and basically squandered everything and came back and then uh, that and then the father still kind of welcomed him back and then basically uh, hallelujah everyone's everyone's happy right but that's the that's the parable of the prodigal son so the prodigal son is someone that goes out uh, ventures fails and comes back and it comes back and 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 yeah you know that, that that's what scares me you know going out to venture to do something with uh with nothing but a dream and coming back with not even the dream just nothing you know yeah and i guess this, that, that leads me to to kind of the second the second thing that that scares me mm -hmm. right and that would be i think this is something i don't know if, if 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 it's common but i feel like it's quite unique to me uh i am very afraid of being forgotten and like oh i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah being forgotten so much so that like i would i dare say that it's my greatest fear of being forgotten uh in all aspects and I feel that it has manifested in a lot of very funny behaviors when I was in my youth. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, right, I used to uh, be very, very, uh, I used to crave attention and recognition mm -hmm. a lot to the point whereby I seemed to center my personality around that kind of behavior, which was not healthy la, because in your teens, if you grow up like that, right, your, 
your foundational self is never really truly built because you're just trying to appease people right? or, or get people's approval. And as a result, it has shaped the way that I deal with a lot of things in my adulthood. Like if you talk about, let's say, um, I don't know, coping mechanisms, right? And then it becomes, it becomes terrible. Lah. So yeah, if, if I had to share those with my two, my two peers. Yeah. I just want to say thanks a lot for sharing. Yeah, I feel that it's not something that uh, a lot of people can have actually thought about. It sounds like you have definitely thought about it. I mean, of course, I mean, I know, okay, well, we are friends, so we obviously... Yeah. It's one thing that you have to acknowledge that, uh, if I may, la, like, I feel that you need to, you need to also be a bit more forgiving to yourself and knowing that you have definitely progressed a lot there, like from the first time we had this conversation to now, and I feel that like you have really definitely made a lot of changes to kind of let those fears go. And I think like, even though, because we are not at the destination yet, it seems like it's still very far away. But it doesn't mean that we didn't take the steps. And I feel that sometimes we, when we, when we are so focused on the goal and we are so focused on what this ideal state looks like, right? We forget the footprints that we leave behind us. And I think like sometimes we always just forget to take a turn behind to realize that, hey, actually I've come a lot further than I thought I would have. And I think that was one of the things that has really helped me get over the fears that I've had as well. I think I did have some pretty similar fears in the past or so, like, being scared of failure I think that was something that was really something like being scared to disappoint the people around us I think you and I have like a little bit similar of upbringing where we always we have a lot of expectations on us and like naturally therefore like we are afraid to do things that we want to do because sometimes like other people like we are just afraid that like the people we care most about right will not accept us for that and I think sometimes uh while it is a bitter pill to swallow, I've also learned to realize that like, and question that even though these people could be the closest people to you, right? If they don't support you at this point in time, does that, like for me, like I try to just acknowledge that everybody has their own time to accept something and you can't force it on them. But I think maybe for me, for, for me, it's helped me a lot because I've had breakthroughs where like initially in the past, my mom never supported a lot of the things I did. For example, me being an athlete. It was a constant struggle when I was a lot younger. When I first started this. And when I first started working, she was like, huh? You're not going to quit yet. And I was like, just to you, say that to you, right? Can be, it's very like, well, it's like, you, you hope that this thing made them proud, right? But then you realize that it didn't. And then you're like, huh? Then why do I even like, like, I think a part of me just felt like, well, I really must have failed this person that I really cared so much about. But I think that turnaround point really came like much, much later. And she would never admit it to me to my face. But I've once caught her boasting to her friends about me, telling them like, you know, my daughter's a national athlete. She's like, I don't think a lot of people can do that. And I think, hey, honestly, for me, I'll take it, man. That's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so I just hope that you may have that same breakthrough one day. And then hopefully that helps you really realize that you've really come very far. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, anybody else? <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, okay. She's tuning in from Paris oh, and wow. it's 3 a.m. Wow. That's insane. Hi. <laughs> I would love to show you guys the view, right? But it's too cold and dark. So I just speak if that's okay. Ask a question. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I just wanted to ask, right? Because oh thank you for sharing, by the way. Uh, I think. Like for people who change track frequently, there's always the need to start from scratch all the time. Mm -hmm. So 
because for myself, I kind of find that I have no problem doing that. Like I also like did a bit of arts, I did a bit of business, and then I went to switch completely and train to be a nurse instead. <laughs> so I think like, yeah, so I realized that this is not really as common as I thought it was because a lot of people have fear about starting new or being new in something. So for myself, the insecurities are there. But my willingness or my desire to learn new things often like are more important than my insecurities to me. So I just wanted to ask you guys, like, how do you guys feel about this fear of starting something new? Is it something you guys experience as well or not really too? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else would like to share before I give my 20 cents love? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> how about you, Sean? Maybe you can share a little bit. I mean, this... Mm. Strangers combos is something new, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, personally, you know, I mean, I, of course, I, I grew up in Singapore and all of us have gone through a certain sort of education system where you're expected to get it right all the time, right? Uh, not just mm -hmm. at the final exam, but also in the midterms, <laughs> in the continual assessments or, or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And we are being taught that there is one right answer and the way to get there is through a textbook and from a teacher. But that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> that only works in the environment that we have been put in that has been constructed around us. It's kind of comfy, but it's also very limiting. Mm -hmm. When you want to do something in the real world, you have to start by doing things that you're bad at. Because if you're always doing something that you're good at, then it's already something that you already know how to do, right? <laughs> you know, you're not kind of like moving into a place that's something different. You're not trying something else. I mean, the first few uh, sessions of uh, Stranger Conversations, you know, the posts that we put on Instagram, I look at it and then I'm like, Okay, <laughs> uh, not, not bad, you know, not bad, you know. Uh, but if we keep looking as, at mistakes as our personal failures, then I don't think that's the right way to go forward. You know, um, mistakes, I hate that word, right? Because it's so like judgy. It's like, I'm a bad person. I didn't do, I didn't put, I, I didn't put in enough, enough effort, you know, as I should have. But that's kind of the wrong way to look at it, yeah. right? The journey is full of these. And if you don't have so-called mistakes, you're not walking on the right path, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so, so that's my take, right? Whenever you try something new, you know, uh, stumbling around, you know, feeling a bit anxious, you know, feeling like you're not knowing what you're doing, it's good, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, that connects with Randall's uh, motto, right? Which is uh, every year, do, every, do one thing that scares you. Mm. But maybe I would modify that to say like every month or even every week <laughs> or even every day, right? Do a little thing, right? That scares you. And then that's the way you learn. Yeah. I feel like I also, I, I, I feel like I share, <clears throat> I share a very similar belief as well. I feel like, mm, to be honest, it's, it is always scary to start something. So when I started my new career in this line of work, 
being a firefighter was hella scary, man. Like, honestly. Because I was first moving into... For those of you who are not from Singapore, so uh, the firefighting service is a government service. So we are a government body. And for someone like me, knowing that my thoughts... I'm not a very good... Um, I'm not very good at following instructions. So sometimes, like... I, I mean, just because uh, there are certain governing bodies that you have to be responsible for and you also have uh, certain things that you need to, there's certain ways that you have to go about doing certain things within an organization, right? So organization rules and stuff like that. I may not be like the best person to follow the rules. So initially, I was very apprehensive about going because I was worried that I'll be just more frustrated by red tape than actually enjoying what I do. And I think like that was something that really, that was the reason why I didn't pursue this career like straight on. Because I was just very worried that like I wouldn't actually enjoy it much. And I would regret this. Uh, not say regret, but I would. I'll just be very unhappy in the job that I've chosen, right? Mm. And sometimes there is also a bit of high stakes. Because usually when you join the government service, chances are you won't get out. Mm. It's, it's usually the... For people, it's like what retirement go, retirement job. Right? You can't be... You can't... In my line of work, you can't be, a, you can't be operational at a retired age. <laughs> it's just not possible. Lah, as in like, uh, we do have very, very fit. Uh, I do have very, very fit colleagues who are like fit in their 50s. But like, I mean, usually for this role, they're always looking for people younger, right? To be in operations. So I think like for me, it was really at that crossroads in my mid-20s realizing that, hmm, maybe this is like the time to do it. But it was really, really difficult because one, uh, I've never learned anything about firefighting before. The first time I put on my bunker gear, I really like, even though I'm like an athlete, right? I died like, we ran 300 meters. I was like already panting because it was so hot. And I think like that was just something that like it was very, very new to me. And I that was when I really questioned, did I make the right decision? Mm. But the thing is, uh, for me, thankfully, uh, I realized that I think the fear is always what's initial. Mm. And it's also what keeps you going. I like the <coughs> challenge. I think for me, because I enjoy the challenge so mm. much and proving to myself that I can do it, right? And proving mm. I don't really do it for others. I really mm. just do it to myself, like for myself. Like so telling myself that like if this is something that's really difficult, then all the more I'm going to try harder to try to crack it. Because when you do things that make you very uncomfortable, right, and they suddenly become comfortable, that's a freaking amazing feeling. Because you know that you have put in the hard work and the effort, and suddenly, right, this has been something that used to scare you and doesn't scare you anymore. And I think as you collect more of these experiences, you will realize that your toolbox has completely expanded. And then, you, you realize that it's actually less scary when you try to approach something new. And I think that's where I am now. I think in the, in, in the beginning when I started this journey of trial and error, right, and always experimenting, I always felt like, oh, shit, like, very hard. Like, it's really, really difficult. The inertia to move forward is tough. Uh, but I think now it's a lot easier because I am, I think I've gained some confidence in knowing that failures are not bad. And I think that was, it's really that mindset shift, like, knowing that it's very, like, you should be very okay to, it's really okay, like, to make a mistake. Yeah. And, like, that negative connotation, like, I think, had to really switch out, like, not being afraid of that. Yeah. And I think there's also one thing in uh, what Lynn had asked, right, mm. which, which was the, f- fear, yeah, the fear, or maybe the feeling of having to start from, uh, scratch start from scratch every time you try something new. But that's not really true, right? Yeah, actually, that's not actually true, to be honest. Like, why aren't we starting from scratch when we try a new thing each time? I mean, like, you would have to start from scratch for certain things, like maybe technical yeah. stuff that we have not learned. But 
from every experience that you have, every mistake you made, every um, challenge that you overcome, right? You take away something, right? You take away a new way of doing things, a new way of thinking, a new way of approaching a situation. Mm. And I feel that that's something that's very intangible. But with that mindset, right, you would learn to approach that new thing you're approaching differently. So I would say that the way I approach Kanu Polo, right, me just diving straight in and struggling for like maybe the first six years of my athlete career, like really hard on struggling and like crying and feeling stressed about the whole situation to now starting a new career in a, so that is also extremely physical. I think the way that the stuff that I learned from canoeing and all that stress and pressure, right, has really helped me in my new role. Like it's, it really helped me grow into that responsibility of knowing that like when it's crunch time, right, you just need to perform. And I think like if I didn't experience like so initially when I first started the journey it was hard. It was really hard. But I think it does get a little bit easier because you do, you do like I, I think only when I started to link like some of the things that like why do I when I start to ponder like why do I react this way or why do I feel this way, right? Then I've learned to realize that hey, actually my past experiences have really helped me in learning and doing things differently. So that when you sometimes when you do something differently, right? Or if you apply what you have learned from the past, suddenly you realize, hey, it works. Eh. <laughs> then like, okay, the previous last night was a challenge, I'm not challenge already. Okay, move on. There's a new challenge, you know, in this new venture you're starting, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. For nice. example. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Lynn, for that question. Yeah. Okay, we have another question also from Zoom. Okay. Um, from this person called Jia Sing. Okay. So she's, she can't ask her in person now because she's outside outside no so her question is having constantly changed paths do you ever feel a sense of impurity as compared to your peers of the same age group sometimes maybe so just the other day i had a friend who told me she made her first million dollars age of 25 i was like wow am i really losing out like i really like, i will admit that thought did cross my mind sometimes like because Earning my first million by 25 was a goal I used to have when I was much younger, but it's no longer a goal I have anymore because I learned to value other things over money. But that is a personal choice I've made. And it's, I mean, I'm so happy for her because this is something that she really wanted. She has reached a level of financial independence. She has reached a level of financial freedom. And now she has the time at 25 like, to do what she wants to do, you know. I'm jealous. Uh. I'm honestly envious and jealous. But uh, does it make me feel inferior? Not, I mean, in the past, maybe, I, I did feel that I was losing out a little to my peers, especially because I was still figuring things out, right? But I think I've learned to realize that, like, just because my path is not the conventional path doesn't mean it's the wrong one. And I think, like, that was something that... But I think you do need to have a lot of self-assurance sometimes when you go on a journey like this. I've realized that, like, sometimes maybe it's easier to just follow the textbook. Because the answer is correct, one. Right <laughs> now, I have to prove to everybody this answer is correct. Yeah. So it's harder, right? Like I have to, I have to show you that it's correct, and then after that, I have to prove to other people that it's correct. And then, but sometimes I, I feel that like what's most important is you need you yourself need to feel that internally you need to know that this is the one for you, and like you need to believe it. You cannot let other people tell you that this is what it should be because when you do that you won't really be living for yourself. I think that's just a personal opinion that I have. But of course, there are certain people's opinions that are a bit more important. For example, my parents, like my mom's, mm. my parents, like I would care a little bit more about it because after all, I am also indebted to her. Mm. She is someone that 
has raised me, right? And like, I've, I would not be where I am today without her. So of course her opinion matters. But I think what's important is being able to share that, covert, like have that conversation with her as to like, I think initially when I first started in the media industry, right? Wow, she was really, she was pissed. Uh. My mother really pissed. Uh. Like she asked me, I, she asked me, is it wrong for me to feel disappointed that I invested my, my savings in your university education? What you want to be is a video producer? Wow, dice, yeah. I tell you, my mother told me that I'm a bit like, I really, I, I think I really screwed up quite badly. Lah. I felt that way. So I think after that, that's why I started to take more active steps to think about like, okay, how could I show her that this career path works? Mm. Or how could I show her that this is not a complete waste of my time, mm. right? Mm. And I think like she does see it now. Mm. Uh, hopefully, I think she does. I hope, I hope she does. But uh, I mean, there were a lot of skills I learned from being a video producer, learning the art of storytelling, learning the art of being able to share stories with others. Like, I think like this was something that I really enjoyed doing. And now I get the chance to do it now that I'm no longer producing content full-time. I get to produce content I want to do. But I already gathered the skills that I did from my previous job. And I think I would not be able to do it today if I didn't acquire those skills on the way. Like, I think she definitely sees it now. And I guess you just need to have a bit more persistence. And at the same time, I think one of the things that really helped me a lot was finding friends and like-minded people along the way to journey together with me. I think that's very important. Like, it's never a solo journey. As much as I love traveling solo, I love to travel with friends too. <laughs> and I think like, that is the joy, right, of being able to share that meaningful experience together with someone else. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Let me just uh, extend that point a little bit more. Uh, folks whose goal is very easily measurable, right? Whether it's in terms of money or position. Um, we have a lot of examples of those success out there in society, you know, but examples of successful different paths, you know, where the goal is measured differently, right? Maybe the goal is in terms of community. Maybe the goal is in terms of some sort of skills that you have. Um, they're just not that common, right? And uh, one of the, the, the dream that I have now, you know, is that through, through Stranger Conversations, you know, we can create a community where, you know, more of folks, you know, who are on unlikely paths can, can be successful, can be examples, and other people can now follow, right? You know, the more examples, representation, right, out there there is, you know, the more people will just start to realize that, hey, you know, this is not so bad after all. Actually, it's pretty cool. <laughs> right? That's really cool. That's true. I love the point about community. I think you just need to find your tribe. Yeah. That's what I always call, tell people. Like, yeah. if you feel like you don't belong yeah. and you are inferior to the people around you, maybe that's just not your tribe. You just need to find people that are more like-minded and they'll help you journey along this journey together. But of course, you keep your friends from other tribes because it's mm. good to learn new perspectives. Like, that's what I always believe. Like, mm -hmm. it's good to... Like, I think in order to appeal to more people, you also need to understand what other people have concerns about, right? That's right. Invite them, know more about their world before you show them yours. Yes. Yeah, yes. I really believe in that. And that's, that's why we're having this session today at the uh, Book Barracks. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also a little bit of uh, a thing that uh, Randall is trying out. You know, stories don't just exist in books, books right <laughs> stories exist in people in the uh, in the community yeah. 
And uh, yeah, maybe this could be the start of uh, something, or the beginning of something, yeah. the green shoots or something. Yeah, I hope so. I hope to see many more, hear many more stories right. from others. I think that the term that Randall used was uh, human, human library. library. Human library. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> You're a genius. <laughs> he is also a human library. Much bigger, maybe the biggest one. <laughs> nice. Um, there's actually two more questions on oh, Zoom. Right. Sure. Um, one is a follow-up question from Jia Sing. Okay. Do you believe in the age of... Oh, sorry, making your passion into your career or does passion win off when there is money involved? Ooh. Wow. Wow, this one is a tough question, to be honest. Do you want to take this one first? Let me think <laughs> about it. <laughs> can you make your passion your career? Will passion win off? Or will passion win off? When um, there's money. When there's money involved. I can only speak from my personal experience. Um, how, how should I describe what I do? <laughs> <laughs> you can say I do something similar to UX design, or you can say it's user research, or you can say it's innovation. But at the heart of it, it's really about doing something different to solve a problem. Mm. And the solution comes from an understanding of people, mm -hmm. right? And there is no such role <laughs> in any organization uh, that I've worked in. Uh, I also believe that, um, you know, um, so what I meant to say was, um, I've had to kind of create my own job mm. wherever I went. So there could be a job title, but then I wasn't exactly doing that job. You know, I was kind of like doing something a bit different. And I'm also not sure like to what extent my colleagues really understood what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my attempt, right? At kind of like melding passion with being able to make some money, you know. Maybe at heart, I'm also a little terrified of just doing something on my own outside of mm -hmm. a company. I also want that sort of uh, stability, yeah. right? Um, so, so that's my journey, you know? Um, but I think there could be other ways of uh, bringing your passion and, you know, kind of uh, survival, so to speak, together. Um, and maybe other folks here may have uh, yeah. more experiences to share, but, um, I wonder whether it was from you or someone else who told me that it was from Charmaine that actually it doesn't cost that much to do your own thing, you know, if you really <laughs> think about it. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, do you really need this house, this car, eating out? You know, <laughs> Randall's given up eating out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you really need all of these yeah. things? You That's know? True. Passion. I mean, like, I really sometimes struggle with this because I guess one of my biggest passions is sports. But to pursue sports professionally, it's not something that I think I'll ever want to do because I am always very concerned that once my performance is packed to how much I earn, I will not like the sport anymore. And I think like that's one of the reasons why I've decided to just 
compete the way I do. As much as I wish I could be a full-time athlete, right? Sometimes I also feel that I do not want it because then I have to spend so much time and effort onto. And because for sports, right, it's so measurable. You win the medal a lot. So you don't win, you don't you you don't just like so for example if you don't win right then you don't hit your KPI. Mm. So it's really just down to that threat, right? That 10 minutes or 20 minutes in that game or that game that you're playing or that final. I think for me like that is something that makes it a bit difficult. So like which is why so like for someone like my sister, right? She's willing to give up everything to be a dancer. And that's crazy. Mm. Like to me that's insane. And I guess if you are that passionate, you and this is a clear path that you still have to have I think you still have to be practical about it. Can you do it? Mm. How will you support yourself? You must still have that plan. So what my sister does is she works multiple jobs while going for auditions in hopes to finally get signed by a company. She has been going for, she does a lot of many freelance gigs. And so that whole journey, right, will take a long time to maybe even become principal dancer. That will take a while. But I think it's because she loves it so much. And that's the reason why she has that tenacity to see through all the hardship. And I guess maybe for her, as she always say lah, Dancer, artists don't earn a lot of money or we poor one. So maybe that's why, right? So maybe that's why for her, right? It's really about pursuing that art form. Mm. And, and I think for her, she sees beyond the pain. Right. Like, so for her, like, it's bringing the art form into the world, right. into the way, because I mean, for her, she does contemporary dance. So it's not something that's like ballet where everyone watches. Right. So but I think her dream is to see contemporary in, at the level of ballet. Right. And I guess that is such a huge dream to chase, you know? And maybe that, purpose and that passion that she has really drives her forward to chase that dream but I guess for me having liking what you do helps a lot loving what you do helps a lot so it may not be something you're extremely passionate about but I believe that with time and effort that you spend you can develop that passion so maybe at the start I just like never had such a big strong passion for firefighting I mean for me it was a childhood dream it was something that was really cool or something I always wanted to do as a kid but I think ever since I started this role, I started to be a lot more passionate about fire safety, about how we can protect our citizens, about the field of uh, emergency services. And I think like that was really through this occupation where the passion developed. And I think that for me would be, maybe it's all right. Like I think sometimes it depends on what that passion is, I guess, and how you see it. And I think it's also your attitude towards it. Like, you know, if you're going to be willing to give up your art form for money, then maybe that's when you start to not like it, law, you know, because mm-hmm. you sell out. Mm-hmm. You sell out what you truly love, mm-hmm. right? So I think the intention is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the end goal should... The motivation, I think, for me, when it comes, to, when it comes to any career is, I mean, of course, get something that works for you. Mm-hmm. So getting a career, getting a job, the whole point is to make money, to do things you love, right? If you can find a career that you make money and at the same time do what you love, it's a, it's a win, right? Mm. Then it's always a balancing act. Yeah. There are mm. days where I sometimes go to work and be like, oh, shit, I didn't sign up for this shit. But like, I mean, those, that's everybody's job, right? Like, every, like, we don't always have good days. And I think that's what the beauty of it is, you know? Like, I never hate my bad days because they made me appreciate my good days. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think you made very good points that, like, People don't have to be like doing something like out of this world, yeah. you know, for it to be counted as a passion, yeah. right? As long as you love it, you like it, you know, I think that's going to carry you very far, yeah. right? So I think it's, it, it's a relatable point, right? It, it's not just for one or two people. I think it's for everyone. 
and uh, also that um, if you want to find a career, you know, you don't necessarily have to fit into the buckets that people have carved out. Actually, there's a lot of roles for things that are not in these traditional buckets. Mm -hmm. It's just that organizations don't have the language. Yeah. They don't have the means to kind of like express that. Like, I, I want this, you know, but I don't know how to like... Write it in a... Write it in a JD, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or so, even worse, they may not have even had like the access to a person that could yes, actually do this. Yes, yes. And you could be that person, yeah, you so know? You could be that person. <laughs> so you don't necessarily have to fit into the box. You can be that. Yeah, be the box. <laughs> be the box. <laughs> Bring the box with you. Yeah, the new box. Okay. Okay. I guess like there's one question that's very related to okay. your experience as a firefighter. Mm -hmm. So basically for Mandy Lee, um, she would like to hear your thoughts on how's life like Oh, being a firefighter. Okay. Mm. Can, can, sure. Uh, I think someone audience. Yes, you please. Like to add to that. Uh, that. Uh, I mean, I'm currently working in my way. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't need to Okay. Uh, I see, I see. Yeah. So I'm just I think I should get my question. Right. Yeah. All the best. What if you don't want me asking what scheme do you apply for? Uh, the direct sergeant? Yeah. Direct sergeant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to. Things, like whatever you said, you said now, like, mm -hmm. the things that I never thought of. Uh, so, yeah, mentally, that issue is very important. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, your mental capacity, right? I mean, I can't share too much about my job. If not, I will get a summon letter from my, <laughs> from my comms <laughs> department. No, I'm kidding. No, like, but as in, like, we do have certain things that, I mean, that there's OSA that governs us, right? So, that's something that I have to be very aware of. So, OSA is like Official Secrecy Act, lah. So essentially, all civil servants have to sign that act and like we cannot divulge too much about our job. But I mean, for sure, like these are things I always share during recruitment talks. So I think, okay, so unfortunately, because uh, this is not a private service, it's the government service. So one of the things that uh, the government does definitely look at is your academic qualifications. But that's also because, not because the elitist, but because uh, there is, like, even though our primary role is operational, there is a lot of paperwork to be done. And there is, things to analyze. So for example, like all oh my guys, they help us, uh, they help me analyze like, we'll be analyzing things like for example, trends and stuff like that. So you still need some basic knowledge. Like you would be, must be able to understand the statistics and all that, like, which is why they are looking for minimally, you should have a, for sergeant role, you need minimally a diploma in any field. So it doesn't have to be fixed, but it has to be a diploma. So, uh, or sometimes they do have, they do take in some special cases where you come from higher NITEC, and then you cross over to diploma. They do have sponsorship for that as well. But I think what's most important is, uh, one is because it is, they still want to have that form of academic qualification. So that's something you must have, get down, right? You must have that. So that's just the basics. And then after that, I think uh, if you're thinking of, uh, for me, like if you're thinking of really considering this as a career, you need to think about very practical things. Shift work, is that okay for you? Working on weekends, is that okay for you? Do you, uh, are you okay to sweat it out? Because if you want to be firefighter, well, I tell you, you will unlock a new level of sweat. I swear. Like, I thought I used to sweat a lot. No, I joined firefighting. I realized, wow, this is what sweat really is. I had a batch mate uh, that could force sweat out of his boots. It was that bad. So for, uh, for me, luckily, not until so jealous, la, but like, there is a chance, you know, like, you know, that you never know what you're, but like, because you've never been put in that situation before, right? But I would like to say that um, 
as long as you have the heart to serve people, I think that's actually the most important. Having the, my God, it's like selling SCBFs, yeah. So basically, <laughs> right, so our motto is pride and care. So you must take a lot of pride in the work you do and you must genuinely care for others. Like, I think like those are the two most important things you need to do if you want to be a frontliner in any field, not just firefighting, but also in paramedics, being a doctor, nurse. I think even being a teacher, if you don't have, if you don't love, don't have the love for others, right? The job will be very frustrating because you will meet all kinds of people that sometimes can be a bit ungrateful. But you need to just know that what you wanted to achieve for them, right, is to just for them to be safe. And I think for me, that was the only satisfaction I get. Lah. So even if it means her school, like someone else saying like, I'm just being difficult, right? I know that at the end of the day, right, if I can keep you safe, right, I've done my job. And I think like you need to be able to be prepared for that. Be prepared to be very open-minded to a new experience, like, I think. Uh, I mean, of course, the more practical things you need to also work on is, uh, of course, interview skills, as well as uh, written skills, presentation skills. These are things that are all in any job. That's what employers are looking for nowadays. Like. I, would, I would say like, it's not even just for the role I do, but I would say that even for any, any office job that you do, like nowadays, the job market is super competitive. Like, like everybody, like, how, like, I would always like to say like, how do you differentiate yourself from the next person? I think that is what really makes the difference, right? Like, and what, and also knowing like what, besides what the job can do for you, what can you do for the job? What do you bring to the table? I think that's very, very important. So like for me, apart from the ops that I do, I do a lot of other things as well. So I do a lot of hosting. I do a lot of prior like community engagement kind of programs for the force. And that's because I have a love for public speaking and I have a love for sharing stories with people. And I think that helps a lot. And I knew that was what I brought to the table. And, and, sure, and it helped me a lot to feel a lot more uh, passionate about the job because I wanted to do these things. And these were things I really enjoyed doing a lot. But you must also understand that this is not my core job, right? So to do the things I like about the job, I still have to perform my core job well. So I think being competent is very important as well. So like ensuring that you must be willing to put in the hard work. Lah. There's no degree out there in firefighting. Right? So you just have to, when you go through the training, give in your best, lah. like really give in your best and just try your hardest. Uh, when you talk about interviews, I think it's still important to know how to present yourself. So also read up widely because we are, after all, a public service. So it's important to know what issues that are going on in not just Singapore, but outside as well. Because it's, uh, it's everything affects, right? Like, yeah, so everything like kind of takes effect. Lah. Uh, what my life is like a firefighter, it's very exciting. <laughs> uh, I do meet a lot of different kinds of people from different walks of life every day. I am always very humbled by the people that I meet. Sometimes I, as with all jobs, you do face certain frustrations as well. But I think uh, the number of happy moments that I have really outweigh the number of uh, frustrating ones that, that I have. Uh, and I think so far the career has been good. It has been, uh, it's been very fulfilling, I would say. And I've really learned to, I've really met a whole, like I think when I was in the media industry, right, I met a lot of like-minded people. I think we're all very passionate people in the media industry because one, the industry doesn't pay well. So everyone that obviously working for passion. <laughs> I will not even, John is just checking his head. He probably agrees with me. It's, probably, it's a very sad truth as a creator. <laughs> Unless we are like the next big Twitch star, right? We don't earn a lot, okay? Like all of us, really, we don't. We just take a salary and uh, we just work our hardest because we have a passion. I think when I went to uh, Five Fighting, I learned to meet different kinds of people. I have a lot of, uh, a lot of my guys, a lot of them are parents and they're my age, eh? 
And like, it's, very, it's a very different demographic because you know they are not just working for themselves. They are working for their families to get a better life for their families. And I think like when people have different motivations for why they work, right? You learn to work. You have to learn that when you manage people like that, when you interact with people like that, you need to be different in your strategy as well. I think that for me was like that lesson I really learned. That. So I guess it's a very dynamic job because it's after all ops. So if you're up for it, right, then uh, yeah, lor, must sign up. Lor. My must, must promote one. I cannot don't promote. Yeah. HR so score me one. I have this kind of opportunity, don't promote. Yeah, lor, kidding. Lor. But yeah, as in, I think if it's something that you've been sitting on for a while and you think that this is something that you want to try and it is something that, and after all, because it is a career, so it's not like there is, uh, it's not like you're doing something for free, you know? So at least you do get something out of it, right? So just try it out. I think no harm trying one. Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess next question, or probably the last question for today. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. John, okay, maybe we'll ask this question, ask question first. So she would like to... Uh, oh, sure, of course. Come. So, That's here. Go ahead. Hey, hey, Mars. Uh, thanks for sharing with us, like, of all the things that you've dabbled in. Um, but I'm pretty curious because earlier on you said that your, you know, a friend had, like, selected opportunities um, for money, and it's just not something that you value just as much, right? And Sean's point about how, you know, like, money is a pretty measurable way of, like, no easy way of measuring success. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think you measure success and in all the opportunities that you've selected so far? Oh, how do I measure success? Okay, once I will, I will actually, before I share how I measure, I would like to share something that I did over Circuit Breaker. So one of the things I did over Circuit Breaker was to take this course. And this course was called the Science of Wellbeing. So it sounds a bit like fancy and all that. It's actually a course that's available on Coursera. It's being taught by an Oxford professor. Pretty cool. She's a really cool lady. But basically what the science of well-being means is really the science of being happy. And I think like that's how I measure success. Like I will really straightly up tell you that like for me, right, I always like one way of I think of doing things is to always ask myself this like, like am I happy doing this? Do I, does whatever am I doing bring, does whatever I'm doing, does it bring value to others? And I think these are the two ways that I measure success. So one is I enjoy doing it and it makes me happy. It makes me feel satisfied. It makes me feel contented. Then that's something that I want to do, right? We all love to do things that make us happy. Right? Why do you eat chocolate? Because it makes you happy. If you don't like chocolate, then don't eat chocolate, right? Exactly. So I love desserts. That's why I eat a lot of desserts because it makes me feel happy. Okay, anyway, that aside. So that's one. Second is, I think I always believe that like, for me personally, I always want to live a life where others, like because I acknowledge that I can be a bit luckier than others because I have the, I do have the luxury of time and maybe the luxury of, yeah, maybe the luxury of time to just make mistakes. And I, and I acknowledge that not everybody has that time or has that benefit to do it because they have other responsibilities that are tying them down. I'm very lucky that I don't have it. And so for me, I believe that because I'm a bit luckier than others, I need to share my luck with others. I need to share, I need to ensure that because I have the opportunity to do it, right? Other people need to benefit from what I'm doing, regardless of whatever I'm doing. So I feel that like, for me, there needs to be a form of value that you bring to the table. And like, there needs to be a form of value that can be transferred to other people. So I can give you an example. Lah. So why I continue to play Kunipolo until today, right? Even though it's a sport that I'm pouring thousands of dollars into from my own pocket. So I work very hard in my career to play this sport. 
But I believe that I've learned so much from this sport that I need to give back to the community. So if I can get a better stand, if I, my team and I can get a better standing in the world or a better standing in Asia, and one day see ourselves in the Asia Games or SEA Games, right? this will open up the path to many other athletes and get them the funding they need because they don't have the luxury of money to compete. I've seen so many good athletes in my life leave the sport because of money. And I, and I too also struggle a lot with money. Like there were days where like I ate $2.50 high fun for like three years straight just so I could save up for my boat and save up to play my first international competition in Europe. And I think like it was a hardship that I don't think that athletes need to deserve to go through. Lah. Like one, food is nutrition. And so I was giving up nutrition just so I could have money to play, right? And then two was that I had to work part-time and juggle school and still train. And that means I gave up on sleep. And that also doesn't help you as an athlete either. So these were things that like a lot of my teammates have also given up, right? And I wish that like for me, I hope that the Singapore sports scene will grow. And I only know that now as a world as athlete, I need to continue to train my hardest to get the results because we are a results-driven country after all, right? We need to win the medals first before they pump the money. We need to show them that we are a team worth investing in. So in order to do that, we need to train hard and learn to do things. Lah. And I think for me, that is why I do what I do. Like one, the sport brings me a lot of happiness. Two, I know that people will eventually benefit from it, even if it's not in Kanupolo, but maybe other sports too, right? If I could inspire an athlete who is, was in a similar position or still is in a similar position, don't give up. Lah. You know that uh, this is a dream that's much bigger than yourself. And I think like for me, that is how I measure my success. If I can just help one person in this world, I think I, I will, I will be contented lah, with what I've done, even if it's just one person. Because I will have the dream to ha- help hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, but every time I look at it, it seems too daunting. But if I can help one person every day for the rest of my life, maybe I'll reach that hundred thousand. And that, to me, isn't that success? Yeah. So I feel that. As much as money is the easiest form of measure, I think sometimes the more difficult forms of measure are just more fulfilling. Well said. Oh my god, <laughs> that gave me a bit of goosebumps. I'm sorry if that was a bit too deep for you. I suddenly everyone was silent. Oh my god. Okay. I so, hope that answered your question. No, it did. It did so beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So we're kind of almost at 11. Oh my god. Oh shit, we have talked so long. Just one last question. Okay, come, John. (laughs) Why nervous? eh? Don't ask me such a hard question. eh? Well, actually, I think this one is quite a hard (laughs) question. Okay, okay, never mind. Just just throw it out there. Okay, okay. So uh I think uh based on based on what we've been hearing today, like we all would like to live and aspire to live a life that is limitless, right? Whereby we get to uh, explore what we want, be able to dip our toes into what, what we care about and, and find out what we love. Uh, but the reality is not everyone lives a privileged enough life to be able to do everything that we want. So life is never limitless. Uh, has there ever been a situation where circumstance is the result, uh, circumstance is the reason that you had to give something up? Oh, yes. Okay, let me think. Good enough example. I guess so, yes. Uh, I would say actually right now. So I think for throughout, like ever since I started canoeing, canoeing has always been like the priority, right? Like being able to pursue, because I mean, for me, the athlete life is always short, right? There will be a time where I have to retire. So being in my 20s is like 
the only time maybe you can play the sport at this level now. And once you hit 30s or 40s, you will, your body won't work the same way already. And knowing that I have to eventually give it up, right? That's the reason why sport has always taken that front seat. But I think uh, when COVID happened and I realized that the job that I was previously in, which was when I was in TSL, it was it wasn't paying the bills that I wanted to pay. Okay, in a way, like I wanted to do a lot of other things as well. Circuit Breaker made me realize that I needed to move out. I needed to start forging my own path. And it's not because I had a poor relationship with my parents, but it's really just because I've acknowledged that I think in order for me to grow and in order for me to have a better relationship with them, I needed to be away from them. And at that point in time, working in TSL, my pay just wasn't enough. I, I wasn't earning enough. At to, bleed, to live at the level I wanted to be living at, right? Like, so for me, like, you know, for some people, like, oh, okay, well, I rent house easy, well, found a dollar room. I said, yeah, but I don't really want to share a room with someone, right? Maybe I want to get a studio. If I want to get a studio, that's like easily 1.5K. I wasn't earning, that's like, what, half your salary. Yeah? That's crazy. Like, there's no way you could have done that. Like, that's just not, does not make economic sense at all. Which is why I started looking for other opportunities. And I mean, of course, at the same time, there were a lot of other reasons as well. Uh, and it's not unhappy ones. I was very happy there. It's just that there were other things in life I wanted to pursue. And I think like, that I needed to level up. And I guess it came at expense. So one of the things that I had to take the trade off was that I couldn't stay in a job I really enjoyed. I really loved what I did. I loved the people there. Until today, I still miss everyone back in the office. And that's because I think that was it was such a great community to be with like-minded people who are very passionate about what they're doing. And to have colleagues that you could call your friends. I think it's something that now that I work in a much bigger organization, it's very difficult to see and very difficult to feel as well. Lah. So that's a trade-off that I had to make. But I think even more so like coming back to my athlete dream, when I took on this role as a firefighter in men working shifts and that meant not having enough time to train. And that also meant that knowing that my athlete career had to take a big step back. And I think for me, that, that was very, very difficult. It's something that I'm still struggling to come to terms with because this year we will be going to, it will be the first time ever that Singapore has qualified or no, any country in Asia has qualified for the World Games. And knowing that I, as in knowing that like, I couldn't fully commit to the sport and not being able to play was, and, not, and knowing that I'm not able to play, right? It's really, I will help you to solo. Lah. And I really, really, until today, like sometimes I do question like whether, I should have just stayed where I was and then I can leave it, you know? And like, but I, I mean like, it is, you have to make difficult decisions in life sometimes and you have to take responsibility as well, right? So like, I mean, I had to give up. Like for me, knowing that there were other things in life I want to pursue, for example, having a bit more financial freedom. And now the current job gives me a little bit more of that. And my new job gives me more different opportunities, but it also meant that I have to close the door on some opportunities as well. But I mean, sometimes you have to learn that like you can't have everything. I would love to have the whole cake and eat it, but life just doesn't work that way. Lah, and that's the reality, right? And that's where reality sits in. But I guess if you are someone that, for example, can't pursue your dreams now because financially it doesn't work for you. Unfortunately, sometimes we are dealt with a bad hand of cards in life and we have to struggle a little bit more. But I believe that if you continue to think about how, I think that's when you need to really learn to be adaptable, to think about how can we 
how can we still do what we want given the circumstances that we have? We don't, so for me now, I still train at the expense of sleep and rest, but I do, I get to do what I love, right? So I do give up something. And maybe for someone who values sleep a lot, that's really hard. <laughs> but maybe for me, that's something I'm willing to give up, right? And so for others, like for me, one of the things that has taken the biggest trade-off is the time I have with my family. So when I started this new role and continued doing what I wanted to do, right? There's this running joke in my family that I'm like the estranged son that only comes back when I want to. I'm the son, leh, not even daughter, no. Because daughters don't do this, right? They are very filial. They take care of their parents, you know. Female stereotypes, unfortunately, are not. Lah. So I get labeled as the unfilial child. And sometimes, I guess, for some people, that's very hard, right, to solo. I, I mean, it is, I feel guilty, but it's a trade-off, right? And I think I'm always very blessed and happy that, like, my family still supports me a lot, but it makes me treasure the time, like the not the small limited time I have with mm-hmm. them. Or it makes me make in, put in the extra effort to like last time in the past, like because I saw them more often, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really ask them out. Now I will fix a time with my siblings to go out with them. Like go out with them one on one, I'll pay because I'm the older sibling. Then bring my mom out also, which is like something that I never used to do. But I think it was when that's when it created new opportunities to really reconnect with what I've lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like then it made me think about how do I do things differently? Because now I don't have that luxury of time or luxury of money or luxury of space to do what I used to do. Like, so for example, now, right, for canoeing, I can only just make the best what I got. So I have to train more efficiently, train more effectively because I don't get to train as much as the rest of my team. So I don't get to train as much as I used to anymore. But if I still need to perform at that same level, then I need to change the way I train. And I guess that is one way to look at things for if you want to pursue something, but currently your circumstances doesn't allow it, mm-hmm. think about how can I pursue it differently so that it will allow me to do both. And if let's say, for example, if you had to do one, what you really want part-time first, mm-hmm. is that really wrong? Like, is there anything wrong with doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because I think like maybe there could be a new opportunity coming out from it. Though. Yeah. Uh, yes. But I guess, I, I don't know, like, maybe I don't have to give up as much as others, but know that maybe use that motivation. Now. Like for example, if you can't pursue what you want now and you have to do something that you might not really like, but know that maybe use this as a means to an end, right? So mm-hmm. use that to, for example, if the challenge for you is money. So maybe I don't have enough finances or resources now. Maybe your dream is to start a business. Take the time now to work for others. Learn not just, not just make the money, but learn skills that will help you manage your business, right? Mm-hmm. Like, learn how to manage people, learn how mm-hmm. to learn how a business works. Right. These are all very valuable skills that you can mm-hmm. acquire. And then when the time really comes, right, you will have set up yourself for success. Lah. And then maybe that's when you can really start to pursue your dream. Nice. So yeah. that's the secret to collecting EXT. EXT. Yes, right? that's right. We finally <laughs> linked it back to so, <laughs> the title of this. Right. So, so number one, um, <laughs> what you're feeling in the moment, anxiety or nervousness, isn't as important as you think. Number two, find ways to put yourself in situations where it's a bit uncomfortable, you know, but it's kind of low stakes. So you get good at doing new things. Number three, measure your success in terms of your own happiness and how much you help others. And number four, you might have to take a detour, but eventually if you really want to do it, you're going to get there. Yeah. Uh, maybe not just gonna get there, but it's really not so much about the destination, but the journey. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, thank you everyone, everyone who's here in person at the Book Barracks, uh, on Zoom, on Instagram Live, and on YouTube. Uh, I think uh, Yoshan has a couple of things to say before I thank <laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> yep. Thank you everyone for coming today. So I've shared my screen showing this QR code to a Google form. We would like to collect some feedback for today's um, session. So. Um, those on Zoom and those in person can feel free to fill this up after the event or um, whenever you're free. So I also dropped the links to our Instagram, YouTube, mm -hmm. Spotify, and everything in the Zoom chat. Mm -hmm. um, in short, Instagram is the main place you can find our latest events. And it's at Strangers Convo, C-O-N-V-O-S. Yeah. So our team is also growing. So if anyone would like to help out or like, you know, join our team, feel free to drop us a DM on Instagram or even just email us. Yeah. Mm. The email is strangerconvos at gmail.com. Yeah. 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 So thank you so much for coming today and I hope everyone enjoyed the event. And, uh, and thanks, thanks, Randall, yes, thanks a lot, Randall. <laughs> for this wonderful space. <laughs> And of course, not forgetting, thank you, Mars, thank right? You. Thanks oh, for having me, guys. <laughs> sharing, like, you know, so much about yourself and being so genuine. I'll try my best. <laughs> we loved it. <laughs> yes, we could thank tell. You, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.